Hey guys, Alex here. Before we get started, first off, I just want to say a huge thank you for listening. Second off, I want to say that if you're looking for more CPG content beyond even Hearts and Cards, there's other great CPG podcasts maybe we want to point you to across the street at our friends at This Commerce Life. Uh, Phil and Kenny have over 250 episodes covering everything from you know retail, CPG, startups, naturals, grocery. The guys have a combined almost 50 years of experience between them and a really interesting perspective and a really fun listen. So if you haven't, give them a give them a listen, check them out. We love those guys. I think there's a fundamental shift in the universe right now towards walking away from the greed and sort of where we how we have gotten here because there's younger generations that are behind us, behind the three of us that just won't stand for it anymore. They won't stand for it. Welcome to Hearts and Carts, the CPG podcast, the podcast about the people behind the products that are winning hearts and filling carts. This cast is for anyone with an interest in the world of consumer products. We're your hosts, Justin Osborne and Alex Hill, and our mission is to bring you weekly content that helps you be a better and more informed CPG professional. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Hearts and Carts. Before we get into our exciting guest today, I wanted to give you a bit of information. Friday, March 31st, Alex and I will be coming to you live from CHFA West in Vancouver. If you're attending the show, please come by, check us out, say hello, and come listen to us record and see what it's all about. With that, Alex, let's get into our guest who I am super humbled is here. So today we're going to be chatting with Alicia Leahy, who is the co-founder and CEO of Humble Snacks. Alicia has a great background in CPG with, with traditional CPG manufacturers like PepsiCo. She's worked in natural brands, distributor side as well. You know, she's worked with other startups. So she's kind of has a really cool, well-rounded background to share. And she's doing some really innovative and cool things with Humble. So really excited to, to dive into this conversation. Um, if you haven't already... Please uh, like, subscribe, follow us on social, throw us those five-star reviews on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And without anything else to add, let's have a great conversation. When the work you put in is realized, let yourself feel the proud, but always stay humble and kind. Hey, Alicia. Hey, guys. How are you? Great. Good. How are you doing? Good. I was smart and logged in early. And, and you know, like when you log in at the last minute and it always is like, <laughs> update your Zoom. And so yes. I yes. like flew in. I was like, I haven't been on Zoom in a while. I'm doing using other things. So I went in five minutes early and of course I need to update. So I'm on time at least. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That, that I use Zoom a lot for work, but every time I have to use Teams, I have that exact same experience. I have yeah. to update it every freaking time. <laughs> like, what is going on? Heart attack. Like, you're like, I'm going to be late. <laughs> yes. You're panicking. Yeah, yeah it's, it is it is something. But yeah. other than everything's good with you? Yeah. Yeah. Busy, you know, the start to the year, all the craziness that that, you know, getting off to the races. Everyone wants a fast start. So yeah. we're kind of, you know, working through that. It's a month and a half into 2023. <laughs> so yeah, it's been pretty good so far. How about you? Good. Life is good. Busy, same thing. 
we're getting excited about CHFA West. I, I hope we'll see you there. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And I'm also going to go to Expo. I have awesome. a couple of events that I got invited to. So we're not exhibiting this year at, at Expo West, but I'm going to head down. So very cool. First time at Expo? No, no, I've okay, been I was gonna say. Going for years. It's, oh, it's, I guess in your old roles. Yeah. In your old roles, you would have for sure. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like my literally my favorite week, like work for the entire year. It's such an incredible. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it is overwhelming the size of Expo. I remember the first time I went, everyone was talking about it and I I don't know what I thought it was going to be, but when yeah. I actually got there, I was like, holy smokes, this is wild. Like it's it hard is, to like conceptualize. It's no? like bigger. Uh, it's like bigger than the auto show, like the Detroit okay. auto show and things like that. Like yeah. it's it's wild how big it is. Yeah. It's uh it's absolutely something. Well, that's that's yeah, super got a great cool. energy. Yeah. Yeah, it does have a great energy. Yeah. And you see that just some of the wildest cutting edge stuff too. But I like CHFA. It's a bit smaller. I feel like I can actually do the whole show expo. It feels like I could walk for four days straight and see like no, half the show. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. You got to start in like the hot products area. Cause that's like where the coolest <laughs> stuff comes out of, but I love CHFA too. It, we are, it's like a big, it's a big, small industry. Do you know what I mean? Where everybody yes. kind of knows everybody. And even if you don't know somebody, you know, people who know people and you can yes. always kind of take the time to connect with pretty much anybody. It's, it's so such nice. a, yeah, it's such a good vibe. Yeah, it's like a reminder of why the industry is so great. And the last CHFA West was the first oh. first time I'd been to a trade show in a couple of years because of the pandemic. And it was so nice to like see people and shake hands and hug people and catch up. It was like, it just felt so energizing. It was wonderful. Yeah. So I'm hoping it it's was, like that again. Totally. I don't think uh, we, we were talking about this. I was talking about this with a few people recently. I was like, I don't know if we'll ever recreate that feeling of like, <laughs> yeah. that being back and like being there with yeah. everybody and just seeing faces again for the first time like that feeling was probably one of the most like incredible feelings cool. I've had you know where everybody is come back together and we hadn't seen anyone and you hadn't left your home offices for two years and stuff. so yeah That's it so was true. it was pretty last year's uh, CHFA West was pretty special it, yeah really well I remember going in thinking like are people going to are people going to be wearing masks are they going to want to shake hands are they going to want to hug and then after like a few people you're like no, we're just all excited and happy and like that human interaction and connection is so nice to have back. So yeah, let's let's try and recreate that again at this year's. I think that's yeah. the goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Yeah, that would be great. So rather than just, you know, me rambling on about trade shows, let's get into your your exciting life and business. So I'll start by introducing you. So we have Alicia Leahy on the show today, who is the co-founder and CEO at Humble Snacks, Inc., which is famous for their humble potato chips, which is Canada's first plastic-free packaged organic potato chip. I think Alicia's got an amazing background because she started in sort of traditional CPG, worked in some of the, the huge guys at Frito-Lay PepsiCo, which Alex and I both worked at as well, the internships back in the day, moved over to the natural space, and then now has started this, this amazing product. And I've heard about it for a long time from people like Neil Green, how much he loves it. And I had to try the product for myself. I admit, I also love it. I haven't tried all five flavors yet. I've tried three out of five, so I still got a bit of work to do, but really amazing product and sort of disrupting the marketplace. So excited to hear your story and hear more about your product and, and what you're doing. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for the kind words. It's been a, it's been a, yeah, a whirlwind of a, of a career, I guess, so far, which has been, I've been very fortunate pretty grateful for what I've been able to experience and where we're at today. And it has, you know, not been without its you huge ups and huge downs, but yeah. yeah, it's a, it's a pretty cool path. Absolutely. So, I mean, maybe, maybe give us like the quick elevator pitch on, you know, what your company is first, and then let's go into like your career journey and, and we'll finish up kind of more 
in depth about the company. If that works. Yeah, sure. So a little elevator pitch for Humble. So we are the first certified organic potato chip in Canada. And actually we are I think one of the only, if not maybe the only in North America at this point, certified organic light and crispy potato chips. So not a lot of people know what crispy is, but it's kind of us trying to say that we're not kettle cooked. We are, you know, traditionally cooked potato chips, which is more like bag of lays than it is like a bag of kettle or or miss vickies and what you know outside of being organic non-gmo no pesticides all that stuff we decided to put our chips in certified compostable bags so that's a really big do different and we're the only one that is doing it in canada we're one of two in in north america for salty snacks in general and the only potato chip brand so that is kind of what our mission is you know to kind of give back to future generations, right? We know that the world's pretty much on fire. There's a lot of issues when it comes to climate change. And uh, we have been, you know, Jeff and I, and all of us, every single bag of chips you have ever consumed in your entire life is still on this planet somewhere. Mm-hmm. They're in the ocean or sitting in a landfill or wherever it is, and it's sitting there, it's going to be there for the rest of your, it's, you know, for hundreds and hundreds of years. And so, you know, we just wanted to do a little bit different in saying that we could commercialize something that, you know, essentially is here to package our chips. So, and then when it hits a compost facility, it turns into the compost safely, no toxins, no bad leftover residues in, in 90 to 180 days. And then it's gone from the earth. So there's, you know, we decided we were trying to come up with a solution for not only like, you know, great tasting chips, but also trying to do a little bit better for the planet too. That's awesome. That was perfect. And I want to get more into that, but let's, let's, yeah. let's now, because uh, I think we all sh- should also mention they're freaking delicious. And I think that's, that's part of the selling point. <laughs> but let's, let's go back, you know, to the beginning of your career before you, you founded this amazing company, you know, what were you doing when you got out of school? And then maybe just walk us through your, your different journey and career path and how you got to where you are now. Yeah. So, well, I, Grew up in Nova Scotia uh, in like a fishing village, literally of like a couple thousand, maybe a couple thousand people. So I went to university and I was, I had participated in like a career fair uh, and ended up landing a something with Frito, like an interview with Frito-Lay. And I remember talking to my dad because I had to drive a truck. That was part of, part of the gig. But you want a truck, right? And I was like, I can't, I am five foot two. I cannot drive (laughs) this massive truck. And he was like, you know, just go, just go to the interview. It's great practice. Just go. So I ended up going and really kind of falling in love with, with, with them, with the people in, you know, at Frito in Nova Scotia, Bedford, Nova Scotia, and really, you know, decided that I could probably, you know, do it. So I started on a truck you know, sitting on phone books, driving around uh, <laughs> Scotia. Yeah, barely seen over the steering wheel. You know, working with some really incredible guys that that kind of would, you know, show up at the end of my route and help me out and stuff. So I learned a ton and became a district sales leader shortly after that. So, you know, that was pretty nice. It was where my family was in the Valley in Nova Scotia. So I was able to stay close and work, you know, with the sales reps that are actually delivering uh, to the stores and get a pretty good intimate knowledge of how, you know, the grocery stores actually work and such too. So that was fantastic, you know, to be frontline. I, I say like, you know, I know what it feels like to be in the back of the truck in a minus 35 degree day. 
So where your hands feel like they're going to fall off. So having a lot of respect for the guys that are actually doing, or the people that are actually doing the, the hard work of putting your food on the grocery store shelves and how they're doing that is not something that a lot of people think about a lot, right? That, you know, it just kind of shows up in grocery stores and there's actually exactly. people that are, you know, drive DSD sales reps yeah. around, put food on the shelves for you to um, purchase. I was, I was going to say, like, I think, a lot of people and and hopefully we have some people who are just thinking about CPG listening here. So when I got into Pepsi, I didn't realize that there's 10,000 people across the country who are building those giant Pepsi displays yeah. <laughs> and like, and, and, and things like stales, like making sure yeah. that they're cycling things out. Like it's a massive part of the business and Pepsi does it kind of second to none. So it's a great oh. place to have learned. Yeah. I say that the, at every step of the way, in my career at PepsiCo, I, I learned it's just like this incredible education. You know, like they teach you so much at, at every stage. And I was very lucky to have some extremely talented leaders as well. So, you know, I, I not only learned, you know, the ropes of being in the stores and working with these folks, but, you know, as I moved into district sales leader, and then they moved me across the country to Calgary, where I ran the Quaker Tropicana and Gatorade side of the business, and then back to back or into Toronto, you know, I worked for some, some folks that were just, they taught me all about, you know, the use of data and how impactful and, you know, kind of game changing that that can be. Right. And I found that that was a mm. huge due difference when I came over to the natural side of the industry was that background that they, that, you know, they instill in, in their people. Right. So I would never give up my time at Frito-Lay Pepsi I work because I worked on both the beverage side as well in, in one of my last roles, I'm um, calling on Walmart. But it was, you know, although my values didn't really align at the end with what you know I was selling and what I was doing personally, it was some of the like it was, you know, fundamental years of my career where I really learned how to be, you know, good at business, good in in CPG. So it was uh I'm I'm pretty grateful for that that amount of time that I got to spend there. Awesome. Love it. Yeah. Yeah, big CPG is like, and I've said this even in my own career, like it sets you up so well because the the training programs, the fundamentals that they build in you, the data that they have access to, the best practices, like that you take for the rest of your career. So it's such a great place to start because they have all of those resources available. When you go into more of the startup world or even smaller national world, like none of that stuff exists. And you take it for granted when you're at the big CPG company, you think all companies work like this. But yeah. They don't, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, I remember moving over to natural and being like, okay, so like, where is the Nielsen data? Like, what are we? Like, oh, <laughs> we, don't, we don't, yeah, we don't buy. We don't buy. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, so we're using shipment data to pretend, like, to kind of create this story for. Yeah. You do. You totally. You know. You totally take it for granted, but it also helps you become really creative. Like, if you can sure. take what you knew and move it into, you know, some other ways of analyzing data you can really leverage it so. for sure yeah. so from there then you you made a move and so where where'd you go after that yeah so i like i said kind of got disengaged a little bit with selling you know what i was selling at, at pepsico and wanted i got involved in kind of the organic food movement and i remember going to a store and finding a box of nature's path cereal and like reading the story on the box and going and researching them and i was working with a recruitment agency guy and said like I want to work here this is where I want to work and he was like that's he's like great like okay I'll keep my eyes open and like four months later he's like you are not going to believe it but nature's path is looking for somebody so I'm going to put you forward and you know 
time passes and I, and I ended up moving over there to work with Aaron and Ratna and that whole team at Nature's Path, which was my first, you know, step into the natural foods industry, which pretty much go from like big CPG to natural. But like I stepped into like one of the largest, you know, they're a family run mm -hmm. organic business here in Canada. So I think I was pretty lucky in, in that transition because I got to learn a lot about, you know, family run and learning how to be, you know, the smaller scrappier, but, you know, really high quality products and how to try and sell that and sell a story to, you know, the retailers to try and gain, you know, K-Paso launched when I, when I had just gotten to, or it was just launching when I got there and it was, you know, mm. a competitor to Tostitos, which is, you know, millions and millions of dollars, but how to sell that, right. And how the organic side of things, which difference and the family owned and all that, I was able to kind of, you know, take what I knew from large CPG and move it into, into a natural CPG space. So it was, uh, it was kind of perfect moving over to nature's path and spending some, I spent a, a few years there. Head offices in Vancouver, and although I love, love, love Vancouver, it was hard to kind of move up. So I decided to, I left kind of nature's path and went and tried my hand at a natural foods brokerage for a little while. And what difference. Yeah, <laughs> another, another very different role. Yeah. Different side of the industry. That is. I worked for an incredible company, Indigo Natural Products. Tony Luongo is, uh, is the owner of that, and he is you know, a, a CPG guy as well. So it was easy to talk. And we opened the Eastern Canada division of, of Indigo pretty much when I was there. And, you know, you get to start to work with all of a sudden you're working with 50, 60 different brands and mm -hmm. you learn a whole, you know, new thing about time management and trying to figure out who needs to go where. So that was that, that, that is probably one of the hardest jobs that I've done. Right. Cause like yeah. you do, for me, I wanted to do my best job for every single brand. And yeah. I found myself working 16 hour days, just trying to, I burnt myself out so bad working for a brokerage because it's just really hard to do everything for everybody. And it kind of came to a point where it's like, I just, I can't do that. I went off on maternity leave. So I had my son. And as I was off, I was like, I can't, just couldn't go back to the brokerage side of things. So I have tons of respect for people who, you know, are career uh, brokers and things, because it is not an easy, it's not an easy job. Because when, you know, we're all brands, when things are great, you're, you know, everything's great. But when things are bad, <laughs> what yeah. happens, right? Yeah. You kind of, as a broker, get that, that kind of short end of the stick a lot of the times when it comes to, when it comes to that type of thing. So that, yeah, that was a interesting experience for me. But when I came back uh, from my maternity leave, I came back to Amy's Kitchen, great which brand, yeah. just, it's still owned by the Berliners, Andy and Rachel. I just fell in love with them as humans. And they, I based a lot of what I've done here at Humble off of how they built their business, the values that they that they had about quality and, you know, they are, they're all, they're one of the pioneers along with nature's path. They're one of the pioneers in this entire food, natural food industry space. Right. And, you know, they did it and never really broke away from quality ingredients and, you know, getting people organic foods or foods for them. It's, you know, vegetarian and vegan and gluten-free. They were, they're the first ones that were, they were doing all this for the last well, 30 some years now. So, and they are truly like a purpose over profit business as well and have been for, for that long. So it's, um, it kind of changed the way that I thought a lot about, you know, about business and how a business could 
behave and how they could do better for the planet and people and product, you know, that kind of trifecta of things. So, you know, we've been talking about doing, you know, creating this humble potato chips for quite some time, you know, even up to this point. And I think it was when I was working there that I realized that we could actually like pull it off. Like we could, we could do something where, you know, we're not making a ton of money. Well, we're not making any money, but we're not making a ton of money, but we're doing fundamentally just doing something better. Like we just need more yeah. good in the world, you know? And it was because of, of Andy and I spent a lot of time with him in the market and in California, they're from California and such. So I learned a lot from them and I'm forever grateful because I think it gave me the, the, the push, the boost to say like, oh, okay, you know, we can, we can probably do this. That's awesome. Yeah. Love I guess that move away from publicly traded companies is probably something you're not looking to ever undo at this point. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, yeah. I don't think you could pay me enough to go back. <laughs> trying to make the quarter. Yeah. Wait. There's, there's something beautiful about working for, you know, with families. I mean, it's why like our business right now is Jeff, my husband, my brother is the other, is, you know, the third person that works with mm -hmm. us. It's a, there's something really cool about working with family and working with, you know, a group of people who all are aligned to, you know, a certain mission or vision. And you don't really get that as much with, you know, um, with large CPG. Totally. Totally. And then from Amy's, you made a jump over to, to another great brand who we've, we've chatted with uh, recently. We haven't put out the episode, but we've chatted okay. with Dominic. Yeah. So tell us about, tell us about Aviv. Yeah. So Aviv was just, I found Aviv in a grocery store. I've actually, I was a really long time consumer of Aviv. Like they were in these big, huge bags at one point with too many wheels in the bag. And, and so I was kind of a long time consumer of them. And I ran into him at, at CHFA and just started talking about their brand. And it's like, this is such a cool idea. Like they nailed, they so nailed convenience mm -hmm. at a time when people really wanted really wanted convenience, but they wanted it to be healthy, mm -hmm. right? So they had this incredible idea of, of creating kind of a smoothie on the go. And I, I loved it. And, you know, we started chatting and they needed, you know, they were doing, you know, DTC and which boomed during the pandemic and we're kind of in retail, uh, but not, you know, not in a major way. And I was like, well, I, you know, I've called on all the frozen buyers. I can, I can do this. I, you know, I think this yeah. would be really cool. And I really believed in it. I think that was what was so intriguing because I really believed in what they were making. I thought the product was beautiful. It tasted great and that it was serving a really interesting need for consumers at the time. So yeah, I spent, uh, I think in total of two years with Dom and, and Claudia, and I actually hadn't I didn't really think I was going to, to leave. I, you know, Jeff was working on, you know, getting kind of stuff that happened at his previous job, the company was sold and, you know, he decided to shake hands and, and walk away. And, you know, it's like, can we make this humble thing work? And I was like, sure, you know what, let's, you know, all of the ideas that we had and kind of, you know, I'll help you on the side. And then things got big real fast with mm -hmm. humble. And I, I remember poor the Claudia went and had their baby that August and mm -hmm. and when he came back, I'll never forget one of our advisors, this incredible guy who looked at me on a, on a call and was like, Alicia, you, you, this is, you have to come in full time. Like this is, there's no joke here anymore. Like humble, it's going to go and you have to come in full time. And I, Dom came back from his paternity leave and I had to tell him that I was <laughs> and I cried yeah. and I felt like it was the weirdest kind of departure because I had never, I didn't expect to, to leave so soon. I, you know, I knew someday yeah. 
you know, if we could make it go of it, but it kind of happened really fast. So I had to, yeah, I had to make my exit. I think that was in was 20, yeah, the fall of, of 2021. And I stayed on Well, I did both for a little while just to try and help out and cover the gap between bringing in new people and stuff for, for Dom and Claudia. But yeah, I came on full-time at uh, Humble in January of just over a year ago. Wow. It's good to be in demand. It's always hard to yeah. leave something less finished than you want, but it's not a bad problem to have. Yeah. So so tell us about the process. Like, uh, It sounds like Jeff had started in the background doing things, but I always like to hear about you know, how you guys organized your to-do list, like what was step one and, and you know, how did you guys yeah. go through the process of developing the product and then, and then bringing it to market? Sure. <laughs> so it kind of started years before that. So we came over to natural and Jeff did too. So Jeff worked at, he left Frito and ended up at Skinny Pop Popcorn. So he launched okay. the into Canada. So he's been in salty snacks basically the whole time. Um, but when we got over here, we were like, what is going on? Why is there no organic light, light and crispy or traditionally cooked or flat potato chip, they call it, you know, an alternative lace. Cause there's, you know, we have kettle for Miss Vicky's, you have smart, uh, you have skinny pop for smart food. You've kind of had all the categories, Capasa and Tostitos, they all the categories covered off, but not, not the, you know, traditionally cooked chips. Like, why is there no better for you alternative? This is a huge opportunity. 42%, you know, salty snack sales, potato chips, basically lays like flat potato yeah. chips, right? So it was a massive opportunity. This was years and years ago. So we kind of said, all right, like, could we do this? So we started working on things in the background, right? I'd call, I called farmers, we, you know, started to try and figure out how we would do it, who would make it. So that was over the span of years. We had Wilder in 2017 and I was like, we're not doing it unless it's in compostable packaging, just not doing it. So, you know, that then kind of pushed this out even further because the technology wasn't there. Yeah. Right. So, you know, it just took years and then said Skinny Pop was purchased by Hershey. So Jeff stayed for a few years and then decided he, you know, it wasn't really for him to move back into that big wheel. So in 2020, January, 2020 or 2020, we were, he was like, should we make a go of this? So he started working mm -hmm. on it. And the first thing he did was try and get in touch with the the farmers, which we got in touch with the farmer. Cause you got to have potatoes, right? Yeah. How did you, how did you just, I'm curious there. Like when you see, you started calling farmers, like were you just Googling <laughs> yeah. farmers or did you know farmers? No, no I just Googled hey. farmers, honestly. <laughs> organic potato farmers and can't, and in Ontario, yeah. like, wanted to try and source them as locally as we could. Yeah. And they don't answer. Their yeah. Farmers. I can't imagine. They don't answer you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can see that. Literally in the fields, but it was, I ended up getting a, a Facebook message, one of them. And years later, they got a reply him and it was like hey i'm not on facebook but i got this and i think it's a really cool idea and we'd love to chat and that's who we're working with to this day really amazing yeah. awesome yeah. yeah yeah so and it was right around that time where you know jeff was exiting hershey and can we this happen and stuff so so kind of it was just like one of those moments where we were like oh this i think there's something saying that this should happen yeah so yeah we we were looking at different packaging as well, which has been the biggest hurdle and roadblock of sure. our, you know, our entire existence. It's hard being the first um, to do something, that's for sure. But so it was like the potatoes we needed to know that we had because you have to plant potatoes in May and you only and you get them out of the ground in August or September, mm -hmm. October. They stay in the ground until it gets cold. So we knew we had to have potatoes first. So we did that and we planted potatoes without having uh, a product. 
with how it made retailers. It was like a, we were kind of going on a hope and a dream. So and my 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 question that's been in my head since you called the potato farmers is like, how many potatoes do you buy when right. you're starting out? Like, right. well, the only we were lucky that we have some intimate knowledge about salty snacks yeah. and what sells and what velocity to expect. And we launched Skinny Pop popcorn and um, Pocky tortilla chips and K-Pasa. So we kind of had an idea of like what we would expect as a new brand, and we dreamed up who we were hoping would list the product in the beginning and we planted that many potatoes i love it yeah i love it a lot Did of you, it say so you and jeff have like the perfect backgrounds to start a healthy for you chip company like it's right. pretty wild actually like if you think of it you're both starting in pepsico him going over to amplify you know you going into these natural companies broker amy's like picking up all these skills along the way it's like you guys were groomed for this purpose it's, it's pretty amazing actually yeah yeah it's uh it's lined up pretty it's lined up pretty well we've wanted to do it and it kind of always in the back of our mind right so yeah. so yeah so then it was like getting the packaging who could commercialize it how could we get it what need to be was anybody using it around the world and there is mm -hmm. there's other brands mostly in Europe and in Asia because they yeah. have much more aggressive um, targets when it comes to single-use plastics. So there's some around the world. We were actually at Frito when Sunchips ran theirs years ago, which they were so yeah. far ahead of their time. I really wish it would have worked out. We would be, mm -hmm. you know, so far much further ahead. But so that was kind of stage two. And then we, because Jeff and I have called on all of these retailers for so many years, we had built up some trust, right? I'd brought Loblaws a lot of great brands over the years between Nature's Path, Kipasa, and all of the brokerage brands. And Jeff had been calling on them with Skinny Pop, which was just an like an absolutely explosive brand, right? It went from nothing to millions and millions of dollars a year. So yeah. we just started calling them and saying, like, this is our idea. Here's a little pitch deck. Can we have a meeting? One after another, they all said yes. I wow. come in. Yeah, sure. We'll have you in. You guys, cool. And then we were able to give the presentation, and all of a sudden we had, you know, Loblaws. Yeah, we want to do it. Launch dates this. Whole Foods. Twelve hours after we presented. Yeah, you're in. Tell me when you want to go. And it just kind of kept snowballing from there. So we're like, okay, well, hopefully we're going to be able to use all these potatoes. Um, Did you have a prototype? Like, were they doing this like without even sampling? Yeah. So we our prototype was. Basically, it was a local like chip manufacturer who makes yep. them sort of by hand himself. Ray Woody is his name. Incredible guy. Uh, he's been helping us out since the beginning. He, he has what's called like his own chippery. So little mini cool. fryers. And it's very cool, his, his business. Um, So he's been, he made the chips for us. He had compostable bags, but they were like paper bags. So they only lasted like three weeks or something like that. So we were able to put them in compostable bags. So no, nobody saw our bags until they went to shelf. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, an enormous amount of trust and, and grace that we got from a lot of them uh, as we moved through our, you know, our, we got the, the chips going, we got the seasonings that we wanted I worked with my brother-in-law, who's a, like a red seal chef. He also works for Dalhousie agricultural college and he helped us create the seasonings and got those commercialized as well. And so people were tasting them. They were great. We are ready to launch and the packaging gets on shelf and is a complete fail. It, we had done so much testing. We had used, we had tried probably 10 different types of packaging, 10 different manufacturers. And, you know, when you're working with something that's, well, it's basically plants. Yeah. Right. So the bags. Like corn, corn, like. 
Yeah, cotton. Yeah, some bones. Like, yeah. yeah. So starch is pressed again. Yeah. And you think you've done all the testing until it's on shelf and all of a sudden it looks like it has dried up. And I was like, we didn't, we were like, what is going on? Well, grocery stores have like 10% relative humidity. It's almost unlivable. Like you shouldn't be worried. It's like pretty crazy how low it is. And our homes and testing facilities and all of these places, the production plant, you know, it's right. on 30, right? Yeah. The lowest. And so none of us had really thought about, about mm -hmm. that side of it. So these bags had just, you know, looked like they were decomposing on shelf, which was our biggest fear because it is what sunships between sunships being so loud. Everybody had this. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, of it being too loud of a bag, which is kind of crazy. Like people thought it was decomposing on shelf because it crinkled <laughs> it down. And I was like, well, here it is. We're just doing the same thing over again. Yeah. yeah. Like, how did this happen? But we, you know, we kind of pivoted quickly and got, yeah. you know, a secondary bag going that works worked but it wasn't the best solution so i've been working in the background on on an incredible new version of this packaging that's just rolling out into stores right now which is we're very gotcha. proud of Excellent. of it it tests better than plastic on everything every test that we run like i do think that this is the future of um of what we're doing and of the industry i can feel myself being ready to tell other brands because we want to help other brands do this too, that this packaging is the one that they can do it in and that they can feel good about it and not, you know, burn as much money as we have <laughs> testing, testing. Yeah. The pipe. I absolutely love this story because I'm a firm believer that, and we talked about your, your education with Frito and, and the fundamentals that a little bit of that education goes a long way in trying to find new ways to the future. And I've worked with compostable stuff a fair amount and I know how much misinformation is out there and I love that you're certified and I don't think I don't think Canadians yet fully appreciate but I think over the next few years like mm -hmm. how much that means to be a certified compostable and how hard that is to actually do and like to blaze the path on like a, basically a supply chain that doesn't really fully have itself existing oh, yeah. yet it's huge so uh, yeah thank you I guess yeah. what I'm trying to say well, that's very kind. It, yeah, it's been a, it's, it's been wild. And I carry a lot of like, I carry a lot of worry. Like if mm -hmm. we don't succeed, then nobody else is going to try, you know, yeah. and that's heavy. I, I do. I feel that very heavily uh, that like, you know, this, I think that, you know, would be another 10 years before another brand tried, just like it's been 20 years since somebody tried it when Sunships did it, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I do, I'm feeling really good about what we're putting out there onto shelves right now. I think we can get better shelf life and which everybody wants too. So I think that it's, yeah, it's the next. That was another question I had. It's just like, because the business is complex, right? Like the chips business mm -hmm. isn't just make a great tasting product that looks great at shelf and turns. You also are taking on this, you know, everything from the humidity piece, but you also got to manage stales. Totally. And I'm assuming that was a huge test, like testing experience for you guys. And then are you guys, do you guys do DSD or how, how do you guys manage that? No. So everything is, everything's through distributors or direct to warehouse. Gotcha. Um, you know, DSD is for us dream, right? Like having yeah. reps, you know, I would hire reps before I hire account managers. I'd keep brokers before I would do that because I think, well, I mean, I know, and Jeff and I both were sales reps for Frito. We know that they are the backbone of why Frito is so successful. They are hands down. Yeah. And so 
that would be my hope is that at least someday we could have reps out there in stores, you know, selling, they may not be bringing the chips in themselves, uh, but that they're there. So we are through warehouse and yeah, it was a hell of a year when it comes to, you know, the packaging and it not working and being, you know, us trying to have to get it out of market and selling through stuff before it went, before the product went stale. So, you know, we had to, there was some, you know, inventory moving around, buying back that type of thing to try and really manage, manage it. But it was, you know, definitely more than what, what you would expect in, in a, in a, you know, an early stage business for sure, which was, you know, made it pretty hard during on cash and stuff this year too. Right. But it's part of the, it is part of the R and D process of doing something different. You know, we had nobody to ask, right. 100%. So, you know, even, even if we had have asked the folks that were doing it in the UK or in China, it would have made no difference because our weather is so different. And the weather was what was impacting our actual like environment was impacting the packaging, right? And making it not hold its hold its seal or creating leaks because it was too brittle, that type of thing. So, you know, you're kind of living and learning through it, which was, you know, a lot of hard lessons. But yeah, hopefully we're we're on the other side of it. Humbling experience. Oh, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. But we got a lot of grace from, you know, from the retailers, which has been really nice. You know, we've They've been supportive. They want to support us. They have come to us with, you know, concerns, but they've also come to us with, you know, we want this to work and we're going to continue to support you guys. And we're glad that you're working on it. And you know that this, you know, you can't stay in this type of pack, this specific packaging and stuff. So we've been lucky. We've been lucky for sure. Love it. Yeah. I think, I think people don't uh, appreciate that our retailers want to make these things work as well, which yeah. I I don't think they get that much credit for it, but they definitely, are human beings who who want to see the world be a better place as well. So credit yeah. to them. Yeah, totally. It's been uh, it's been really great. Flavors. Yeah. First of all, thank you for having a dill. Oh, the creamy dill. <laughs> Killer, hey. You're curious how uh, how you guys went about the the process. Yeah, so it was fun. I we were talking to my brother-in-law about humble and what we were doing and I mentioned he's a, a red seal chef. He's from the Netherlands and so he's working in, in Halifax and um, he was like, well, I make, he's like, I already make chip spices. And I'm like, what, what do you mean for the kids on campus? He was at the agricultural college. He was already making chips for them. And he had, he said, I, I have like 15 that I make on rotation. We're like, no, way. So <laughs> that's awesome. Kinda, wow. Yeah. Yes. So we kind of told him what we wanted to do and then left him some creative freedom to, you know, put what ingredients in what he thought. And he came up with, he came up with 10 different flavors to try. One of them was a coffee flavor, which was actually very good, but we felt like it was way too outside of the box for the first, you know, our first core skews. But we, yeah, we decided to launch the smoky barbecue, the honey mustard, creamy dill, the original, which is just slightly salted and the sea salt and apple cider vinegar. And it was super fun. He would make them and he would ship them to us in like little packages so that we could try them. He taught us how to make chips like we made chips on our own stove and then we sprinkled with them and tried them and made we made some very delicious first few batches and then from there we had to get them commercialized like at a larger essentially a like a spice manufacturer so sent our recipes to them and they made it so that we could put it you know on a large scale and put them on uh, chips in an actual facility and that way now that's kind of how we yeah the spices came to be 
Very cool. Very and I love cool. and I love the packaging. Like I love the call out on the packaging of hey, I'm a compostable bag. <laughs> and just the way that it looks and it, it's very different to the rest of the chips in the aisle, which of course you're an expert in, but what was the the goal or approach with the packaging? Yeah. So the packaging was, we were trying to stand out a little bit. So most of the bags on shelf are matte packaging right now. So we could have done matte packaging a little bit more expensive, but we thought maybe the shiny packaging could be a little bit of a throwback, right? To what chips used to be a little nostalgic. And then the packaging, I just wanted it to be kind of fun and bright and different. There's a lot of, you know, black on the shelf and white. So we wanted to go sort of colorful. And then, yeah, the compostable call out, I just, we need to be there. And what we, because we thought that was kind of a, you know, a big difference. What it was interesting that because we've actually just gone through a brand refresh recently and it'll be out later on this year and getting feedback from, you know, consumers, most people don't actually see that bubble. Most Mm -hmm. people didn't know that, that it was compostable until like we told them or they took it home and kind of stumbled upon the bag a little bit further. So they were just picking it up off the shelf because it was like, you know, this new, and that's not everybody, obviously. There's definitely a demographic of people who like really love the chips and, and are buying them because of the compostable side of things. But in our rebrand or a refresh, we've made it stand out more because it's a huge purchase intent, but mm. it wasn't really coming across. And the other thing was that we got recently was like, nobody knew what was inside the bag. There's no pictures of the chips on the outside of the bag. So they all thought... That humble was the kettle cooked chip because it's sitting next to the rest of the kettle. Like their natural chips are all kettle cooked. So that's kind of what they had assumed. Um, So the new packaging actually has like our like food photography of our chips on the bag. So we're trying to like, you know, you got to we're trying to evolve a little bit and grow up a little bit with it, I guess, too. So it's a little sleeker. The compostable thing stands out more and we put food photography on it too, which is all learnings. Yeah, I love it. I mean, it's tricky, right? You're, you're, you're kind of pioneering a, a segment and yes. I'm assuming you're not spending a lot on on media. <laughs> no. So it's like that bag is kind of your commercial. Yeah. So you got totally. you got to communicate everything. Yeah. When you're when your cogs are higher and a lot higher than, you know, your competitors. Yeah. You kind of have to make concessions on other things where you're spending and, and media and, and that type of stuff is is definitely where we can't spend a ton. So you're exactly right that that bag, that bag has to work for us on shelf. It has to communicate more than any other bag on the shelf about what it is and what's inside of it. So I think the new, their refresh is going to do that for us. Awesome. Awesome. So t- tell us a little bit about how you and how you and Jeff kind of divide and conquer. And I think we were wondering if Wilder's, if Wilder's, got a desk yet (laughs) yeah well he so he's funny yeah he you know he's the official chief taste tester so that's a good that's a good job to have that is a great job (laughs) yes the creamy dill is 100 for him it was designed for him he was the you know person who signed off on it he he loves uh dill chips so that was made for him for jeff and i we divide things up sort of it's there's some different crossover for sure in the beginning, we thought that I would do sales, I'm marketing, and Jeff would do all of the operations. And then we realized, you know, as we get going, that maybe I should be doing some of the operations and he should be doing some of the sales because he and I are, are salespeople by trade, right? So, you know, we're doing the other stuff, the marketing and the and the operations, we're learning as we go. And so in the beginning, it was kind of, you know, sales and marketing me and operations him. And, and then we just sort of are learning through, like, we're both really good at 
and what we're not. I think it's really important in anything to know what you're awesome at and what you are not, and then find people to work with that are really great in what you lack. And so because we had never really done the op an operations role um, before, it was like, okay, who's better fit to do certain things? Um, so that was just a little bit more crossover on on stuff. Jeff's going to take on the sales of the U.S. because we're launching in the U.S. this year in, in 2023. And he, you know, he knows a lot more about it than I do working at, at Skinny Pop. So he's going to sort of take that on. So I think it's just a, it's an evolving process for the two of us, making sure that we're both doing and thriving in, in what we're doing. There's only three of us here at the company. So we're jack of all trades, but that's sort of the, I think that's what we've learned as we go is that it's never, it can't really be static. You know, you have to be able to be flexible and who's doing what. Yeah. I love, I love that. I, I think, I think it's, you know, obviously it's important to know where you're getting energy and where you're strong, but so incredibly important to also know where you're not. And yeah. also the fact, how many doors are you guys in now? You guys, we, most? well, probably 2000. So you guys are averaging about 800 or you know, 700 stores a person pretty crazy <laughs> pretty 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 good yeah. pretty crazy yeah i give a lot of credit to dan uh my brother he's our canadian sales manager and and uh, our broker we partnered with b&q and their team has you know this is you don't there's not a lot of times where you have a brand that goes from zero to two thousand stores in you know 12 months so that was a lot of hard work on their part and you know, Jeff and I are more in the background trying to make sure everything stays afloat and moving forward. But those guys, they're, they're the, you know, they're the workhorses for sure. You know, I was, I was going to ask what is next for Humble? And you answered a bit of it there, I guess the U.S. expansion, which is super exciting. Still, still room for expansion in Canada as well. But the U.S. Yeah. being such a huge market, I would imagine is a big focus. Maybe share, you know, what else is coming up? I, I couldn't help but notice that the company's name is Humble Snacks. Yeah. Not Humble Potato Chips. Is there going to be some expansion? You know, what are you guys looking at over the next few years? Yeah, definitely. We, yeah, we named it Humble Snacks for a reason because we would love to, you know, to take our values and what we kind of stand for, you know, organic and better for the planet as well in our compostable packaging to other subcategories within salty snacks and, you know, maybe in the future, even other categories outside of salty snacks, there's a lot of, of opportunity for natural brands to, to grow and to bring alternatives, better for you alternatives to conventional products. Still, we're still a thriving industry, even in, you know, the environments that we're working, all working in right now. So that would be the hope. Short term, you know, we're looking at new flavors of potato chips. We're looking at new pack sizes you know, grab and go, that type of stuff in the short term. And then perhaps some, you know, different types of uh, of salty snacks in the next year or two. Awesome. I'm excited to see what, what you guys come out with. Every flavor so far that I've tried has been great. So, and I, yeah, you know, grab and go would be nice too. Cause right now I'll, I'll eat an entire bag, which is, which is not good. All <laughs> our bags would be helpful. Yeah. I mean, you know, everybody loves a bag of chips with like their sandwich or something at lunchtime. It'd be better yeah. if 20 gram bag versus 150 gram bag, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Well, this uh, this podcast is named Hearts and Carts. And, and the hearts part is really about brands people love. And we're just curious if there's any brands out there that you love, either how they're going to market, maybe they're doing things that are better for the planet, or maybe you just love the products that you want to you wanna highlight or give a shout out to. Yeah. I So on my vision board, when we started this, 
was Tentry. So they're a clothing brand, mm-hmm. Canadian. You know, they were on Dragon's Den years and years ago. I have one of their very original sweatshirts. So I've been a, a longtime fan of them. So they're my, you know, one of my big brand crushes. And I, uh, funny story at CHFA, uh, just this past CHFA in Vancouver a year ago, uh, we did Tentry sweatshirts. I bought Tentry sweatshirts to wear at the booth and I branded them with Humble and giving out chips. And this guy walks up to me and he's like, hey, like I'd like to try your chips and gave him some. He's like, I love your sweatshirts and Tentry. And I was like, yeah. And then I gave him the whole spiel. I'm like, oh, I'm an OG fan and I love and everything they do. And and he was like, I'm 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 David Lubai. Like I'm the founder of Tentry. And I nearly hit the ground. Like, Are you oh my God, this is such a cool moment. I totally fangirled and then pulled myself together. And he's been he's been super cool. Like we, you know, stayed in touch and uh, it's not easy to be a sustainable brand that, you know, is kind of at the beginning of something, right? They were at the beginning. Nobody, you know, the clothing industry was full, is still full of fast fashion and, you know, not a lot of care for the planet. And they, you know, I feel like, especially in Canada, they started a pretty cool movement. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like, you know, what we're doing here, I, I think a lot of of them and, and try and kind of replicate parts of, of their journey. So really look up to up to them for sure. Justin, do you want to gush first about Tentry or should I? <laughs> I was going to say, thing, even though we're off video right now, I can just imagine the, the giant smile on Alex's face. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess first, you're not the first guest to say them as brand fans. So that's always a good sign. And, and two, Alex and I love their brand, their clothes. Half the time we'll get on a call together and we're both wearing the same Tentry hat. Yeah. So- there, I always think of them as almost like Canada's Patagonia, just a an yeah. brand, so simple, stance that everyone can get behind. Just, yeah, love, love supporting them. So uh, I completely agree with, with everything you said. Yeah, they're pretty, pretty great people. They're, they're awesome for sure. Last question, Alicia. Yeah. So if you had a group of young people about to graduate from school that wanted to, you know, go into the CPG world or entrepreneurship, you know, what advice would you give them so that they could be successful? That's a great question. I think I think some of the advice that I got in the beginning of my career, and it's not about business, it's not about how to be a good salesperson. It's you know, my advice is would be like have empathy for other humans. So you know, we often graduate from university and become, you know, young managers. I know that's what I did, but people, people want to be heard. So if you want to be a leader of a group of people, those folks, they want to be heard. And I think that, you know, I have been able to be successful as a leader because I have empathy for other people and I can listen to them. And, you know, even if sometimes you don't agree or you can figure out ways to communicate by just listening to other people. So while I know that's not like specific, like, oh, you know, I could tell everybody that data can sell a story and we should, you know, make sure that you use data and not just selling on a, on a hope and a dream. But I think really the basis of everything that we do, it's it's people and it's working with other people and getting people motivated to, you know, work together towards a common goal. So that would be, you know, my piece of advice is to really listen uh, and have empathy for, you know, for other people and their situations and how they feel about things. I love that. I love that. I think in business, emotional intelligence and, and empathy sometimes get some lip service, but I think you kind of hit the nail on the head in that everything we do is with people. And if you're listening and you're putting yourself in other people's shoes, you're going to anticipate needs and, and be a better teammate, a better leader. 
uh, and you're going to make people feel empowered and, and, and motivated by by showing them that courtesy and that that interest as well yeah exactly i love that that's great well, I'm, I'm gonna go back on video again real quick just to say yeah, me too. just to say bye here hopefully we don't have another <laughs> lag but it's always more fun when we can actually we actually see each other but uh, thank you so much Alicia. that was amazing it was great hearing more about the products and and the brand and your story and i think there was a lot of advice throughout that our listeners will find amazing oh wonderful well thanks so much for having me it is it's been a blast and i think you know that uh companies can, you know, start to put purpose ahead of profit, because I think I said it earlier too, like we just need more good in this world. Yeah. And we don't all need to make tons and tons of money. And we need to walk away a little bit. I think there's a fundamental shift in the universe right now towards walking away from the greed and sort of where we, how we have gotten here, because there's younger generations that are behind us, behind the three of us that just won't stand for it anymore. They won't stand for it. So if, you know, young companies and folks like ourselves who are starting things right now can start to think a little bit more about, you know, investing those that those profit, that profit back into just doing better, just trying, just taking the first step. It may not be compostable packaging. Maybe it's a carbon offset, whatever you can do, right? Mm -hmm. With your business or with what you do in your life, just, just take the next right step in, in a, in a good direction. So I hope, yeah, it's been a lot of fun to be here with you guys. So thank you for that the opportunity. Thank you Thanks so much, much, Alicia. Looking forward to seeing you soon. Bye. Yes. Yeah. See you in a few weeks. See you, See you in a few weeks. <laughs>
I think that that appetite for risk and you know when it's when it's calculated and in, in that there's a market and and it's feasible technically like figuring out how to do it is is a great thing and yeah I I, I just was impressed by by the mission yeah they just care she just cares right and she's driven by that and I think it's we've heard other entrepreneurs say it's important to really. 100% believe in your mission and your purpose. And you can see that that's so clear and evident with her. And that's why why she's successful. And it was just contagious listening to it. She's um, on an awesome trajectory and, and wishing her nothing but the best. But I've got to admit, now I, I really feel like a salty snack. And I've got yeah. to head downstairs and, and have some chips ASAP. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Well, everybody, uh, if you're still listening right now, thank you. Really appreciate you. If you haven't already, please take a moment, give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or heck, just shoot Justin and I a DM and let us know what we can do better. Uh, If you haven't yet, follow us on social media. LinkedIn is where we probably post the most, but also Instagram. And without anything else to add, um, looking forward to seeing you next time for another great conversation with another great guest. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) 